Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. You are now entering a spiz-free zone. No unicorns, no rainbows, no chiropractic fairy tales, just progressive talk for progressive chiropractors. So buckle up and get ready. We're moving the profession forward. And now your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very, very special episode of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. I'm pleased to introduce to the crowd Zubin Demania, MD. He's an internist and founder of Turntable Health, an innovative healthcare startup that was part of an ambitious urban revitalization movement in Las Vegas. During a decade-long hospitalist career at Stanford, he experienced dysfunctional healthcare system firsthand, burnt out and depressed. He created videos under the pseudonym ZDogMD as an outlet to find his voice. This launched a grassroots movement and a quarter billion views in a passionate tribe dedicated to improving healthcare for everyone. Without any further introduction, ZDog, what's up, my friend? What up, fam? Thanks for having me on the show, man. First of all, dude, Doctor Maybe is yeah, that not right. just the dopest name in the whole? Pl- I mean, I could. Do you? I mean, do you ever? Have you done the whole call me maybe thing? That's like, been done, done, not in the video form. I'm sure you could. Oh, well, then, you could fucking blast that out of the out of the sky, right? I can hook that ass up. <laughs> That's all I'm but no, in I've experience. heard. It. I've heard everything, man. I've heard absolutely everything. There's yeah, an advantage yeah. to it. Unlike your uh, your uh, blatantly Indian name, my name is not easy to forget. Oh, dude, no, my name Demania. No one can. First of all, no one can pronounce it. Second of all, I no said Demania, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Everybody says Demania. Because you got Demania. Exactly. I think my dad says Demania. But uh, <laughs> people. But the nice thing is, I'm a chameleon, so people don't know what I am. So I do whatever accent I want. And then when people cry racism, I just say, no, I'm black. It's just who oh, I am. I don't understand. Uh, no, but yeah, it's, 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 it's funny. The Indian accent is one of the last accents that non-Indians seem to be able to get away with doing uh, without getting you know, tarred and feathered. No, it's, uh, it's harsh. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's tricky. But I, I do it because you know, my, my dad has the accent. My mom has the accent. I grew up with it because they're from India. But uh, I still get people... Like, and it's usually white people. This is what I love is it's white people who I, I, they display. And I, I don't know, do chiropractors use ICD-10 uh, coding yeah. as well? Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you'll be familiar with uh, the ICD-10 diagnosis of butthurt by proxy. Right. So butthurt by proxy is where you take offense on behalf of someone else that you have nothing to do with. So it's usually white people who are like, oh, oh don't God. even get me started. Don't even get me started. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe you're making fun of Indians. It's so belittling. Oh my God. I'm like, bitch, I'm Indian, number one. <laughs> number two, how fucking condescending that you're taking offense on our behalf. Hey, we are uh, we wear the big boy panties and we pull them up, okay? We don't need your to back that ass up. We'll back our own ass up. My, uh, my son plays competitive basketball and uh, he was, they walked a kid onto the team, the kid, Indian kid, you could tell he'd never played basketball a day in his life. And uh, <laughs> my son sort of gave me this look, like, check out this kid. And I, I shook my head and said, don't, don't. He'll figure it out, man. Don't, yeah. don't knock him. He will figure it out. Yep, and by yep. week three of practice, that kid was doing the feed me thing with his hands. Oh. Buckets and stealing baskets. And he was just like, feed me. I am the Indian Jordan. We are gunners. Mm-hmm. Nobody <laughs> can stop us. <laughs> Give us something to study and we'll study it, okay? Dude, totally. Uh, 
His dad was like, you got to get this. It's right there. <laughs> there it is. Three points. Only, only. You have to end it with only. That's the authentic. Uh, <laughs> with a little shake of the head. Um, by the way, you're going to, again, I'm hijacking your podcast with my own agenda here, but my, my agenda was <laughs> we're doing a, a parody of the Bare Naked Ladies one week. Uh, I don't know if you remember that song. It's been one week yeah, since yeah. you looked. Right. <laughs> so we were, we were going to do it about the Indian physician experience in America, the sort of uh, international medical grad experience. And in many ways, it kind of parallels some of like, you know, the field of chiropractic, the field of uh, you know, naturopathy, et cetera, in that uh, in a way, even though they're mainstream, they're not mainstream. They're felt to, f- to they're made to feel like they're not mainstream. And uh, so we were going to do one seek uh, about, <laughs> about you know, there's this one Sikh in the doctor's lounge, a Punjabi guy whose name no one can pronounce, two Janes in the ICU, you know, get that corn dog away from Dr. Mukherjee. You know, this is going to be this whole, you know, tick, you know, tikka masala, the desi chicken, you have a drumstick and your heart stops ticking. So we were trying to figure out how do we do this without, okay, first of all, within the first five lines, them not thinking I'm just a racist, right? Because right. these are my people. Uh, so we're still working out the bugs on that, but uh, stay tuned because... Uh, who writes all this stuff? Is this all you? It's it's me with the help of my uh, or is it Tom? Guys. Is Tom doing yeah, this? Tom has a creative side that comes from being a muggle, a non medical person. So he can see things that I can't see because I'm so conditioned, right? Um, by years of uh, allopathic medical training, and 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 so sometimes I just don't see the world the same way that uh, a muggle sees the world. And so he's able to give me the muggle perspective. He's like, don't use that word here. Think about what about this? This is really funny. Say this. And I'm like, that is really funny. How come yeah, I didn't think of that? Tom seems pretty woke. He's, he's woke AF. Is he the, the one that lives in his mom's basement or is that the other guy? That would be Logan. Uh, okay. I'm not sure he literally lives in his mom's basement. In fact, his mom might live in his basement. But, <laughs> you know, either way, it's creepy. Okay, let's just be honest. Uh, no, nah, no. Nah, they're, both, they're both really cool millennials who have a passion for, for media, healthcare, social media, comedy, that kind of thing. Yeah, always centered around the mission, which is uh, – Improving healthcare for everyone, which yeah, that's yeah, brings me to this idea. Now, usually, I ask my chiropractor guests on my show what they think the state of the chiropractic profession is, but I'd like to get your idea of what what you think medicine is, where it's going, what needs to happen. You know, when I want, and I would start that by saying thank you, first of all, for having me on and for being part of a tribe of chiropractors that is practicing, you know, great care, skeptical and sort of rejecting the fringe of any sort of field, right? So we have them in, right. in allopathic medicine. And so I want to support you guys. That's, that's when you reached out to me, I was like, yeah, I, I got to be, I don't do podcasts typically, but this was one I wanted to do because I want that enlightened uh, group, uh, which is a large, large silent majority really, uh, to know that, that we're working together to build this better healthcare system and we support you and we hope you support us. So, the, you know, for, for us, uh, you know, I, I I went into medicine because I loved science and I loved people, but I really wanted to be a rock star and a musician. Like that was my first sort of love is I'm histrionic. You can tell I love attention. It's part of the DNA of growing up kind of a chubby little kid and in a predominantly white town in the Central Valley of California, being a kid with a funny last name and who's funny and had a New Jersey accent moved into California. So to kind of put myself at ease, I had to use sort of, uh, I had to control people's attention. So rather than their attention being on me in a way I didn't control, you know, oh, look at this chubby guy with the funny last name, I would make a joke or I would 
you know, play a tune or I would try to sing something stupid and get there and control their attention. And so instead of being the guy who got the wedgie Q1 hours around the clock, I was a kid who, you know, was a class clown and all that shit, right? So it's deep psychological trauma, which is typical. But then I uh, drifted into medicine because both my parents are, are doctors. Both of them are foreign medical graduates, had to do two residencies, uh, were actually deeply holistic in the way that they trained because in those days in India, you know, it wasn't about testing and a bunch of studies and stuff because you just couldn't, it wasn't financially feasible. It was about right. talking, you know, talking to patients, laying hands on them, uh, developing relationships with the patients, but then also with trusted people in the community. So my dad had um, two, I think, two chiropractors that he was deeply aligned with. And so when his patients had back pain, musculoskeletal stuff, um, he had deep relationships with those guys and, and uh, it worked really well. So it was this really beautiful thing, but it was unfettered by, you know, science or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> technology, skepticism, that kind of thing. It was really intuition. And, and I fell in love with that sort of format. And I call that health 1.0. So it was like that kind of old 20th century, you know, touch and intuition and heart and relationship, but also paternalism. Also, not really, patients weren't really empowered. You know, you knew them because you had time. You could spend time with them, but they, they, they didn't have a lot of say in their care. It was really the doctor saying, this is what's up. Yeah. And, and so that, those, the days of that were numbered for a couple of reasons. One is that I think patients started to get woke. They're like, hey, there's this thing, the internet. Like I can Google stuff, like I can educate myself and I may be, I may be learning the wrong shit. Like I may go to Jenny McCarthy or quote unquote doctor, you know, uh, who's that guy Bergman, John Bergman, the chiropractor online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, just take oh, vitamin D, selenium and don't worry about vaccinations. Well, okay. You can do that, but you're not really guided, but, but people were getting woke. So the system said, look, these docs are like running everything. They're billing whatever they want. They're self-regulating and they're paternalistic. Let's, um, let's build health 2.0. 2.0 just said, hey, business has the right idea. Carrots and sticks and quality measures and metrics and incentives and disincentives. And let's use technology to drive it because that's how it works in business. And let's employ more uh, practitioners and let's do different things like that. And, and we have the dawn of health 2.0, managed care, um, electronic health records. Are you guys dealing with a lot of EHR stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, in, in our Facebook group, it's the, it's the scourge of my day trying to get people through these EHR and EMR uh, questions and comments. So, so far we have more commonalities than differences, man. Like we both hate the EHR. We both have to deal with ICD-10 and all these other click boxes. And further and further you go down the road, I think you're going to find that chiropractors and physicians, uh, especially fa uh, family practice physicians, have a lot of commonalities. Um, yeah. One of the problems with chiropractic specifically is that you kind of get your degree and then it becomes a choose your own adventure. So you get the Bergmans and the guys like that that just make up shit as they go, you know, mm -hmm. and then they, they confirm their own biases and they, uh, they make money selling the contrary view, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they, yeah. They, they've been taught that to, to make medicine an enemy so that if they make medicine the enemy, they can create their own uh, solution the Hegelian dialectic, you know, they create yeah. the problem, then they offer the solution and their solutions, their own services. Um, but mostly evidence-based chiropractors, uh, we're right in line with you. We try to, we want to try to identify ourselves as primary spine practitioners that we primarily yeah. focus on spine and musculoskeletal pain. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. I've fallen victim to this tribalization myself because if you want to lead and run a tribe and it's based on, say, scientific skepticism and I'm an allopath and a lot of my fans are allopaths and nurses and so on, well, it's easy to just bash entire fields. So, you know, we've done this with naturopathy. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. And, yeah, and I've done this with chiropractic in that, in that we tend to focus on this sort of outliers. Uh, and, and the thing is, the thing is, there are less of outliers in the choose your own adventure specialties like chiropractic, osteopathy, the, you know, the doctors of osteopathic medicine, it, uh-huh. just because of the nature of the conditioning is different. So in allopathic medicine, we're conditioned to be assholes of a certain type. In chiropractic and allopathic, I imagine, I mean, and osteopathic, it's a different slight sort of conditioning. So, so I've done that. I've, I've fallen into that trap myself because it's easy. And what I want to do is kind of back up and go, no, 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 no. We, we as a tribe need to identify who is this tribe that wants to transform healthcare. Are we oh, yeah. aligned with our principles? And we are. Well, I always say on the chiropractic side, when I'm dealing with a skeptic, um, which usually the, the skepticism comes around as chiropractic doesn't work or there's no proof that chiropractic works. And I have to delineate for those folks that chiropractic is a profession. It's not a procedure. So you don't, you don't go somewhere to receive chiropractic. There's a chiropractor that provides a certain number of therapies, whether it's manual mobilization, soft tissue work, rehabilitation exercises, uh, one of those sort of things. But it's not like, you, you know, you don't go to Mexican food and have Mexican food. You go to Mexican food and have a burrito or a taco, you know, so you yeah. can't say Mexican food sucks. You go like, well, whoever provided it sucked or whatever you ordered, the taco or the burrito didn't work out for you. That's a, that's a good analogy. You know, sometimes when I'm giving my, my wife has a lot of musculoskeletal stuff because she's a teleradiologist. So there's a lot of, you know, ergonomic stuff. And, oh, yeah, and sure. Back strain. So I'll, you know, I'll watch uh, Game of Thrones while you know, massaging <laughs> her back. And uh, every now and again, I'll just be like, and I'll be like, chiropractic, bitch. That's right. Broad, broad shotgun term means nothing. But uh, I enjoy saying it because it comes out nice. Chiropractic, bitch. In fact, I think that ought to be your catchphrase. You may want to consider I mean, that. Yeah, all those things together. Bobby, maybe, chiropractic, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Just call me maybe. Uh, yeah, no, that's dope. Uh, and, and, I, and I agree. And the thing is, like, um, you know, it, the spine practitioner piece is great. The idea that we can avoid narcotics and going down the opioid path with approaches for musculoskeletal and spine pain that are that are not pharmacologic whenever possible, that's a great thing. We ought to embrace that. The other thing that I think we ought to embrace is the fact that you guys look patients in the eye, you develop relationships <laughs> with them, like heaven forbid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's naturopaths have a similar thing. They have the time to spend, and they've chosen their adventure to be this way. Now, we had Britt Hermes on the show who was sort of naturopath gone bad. And um, kind of did a big expose on what it was like training as a naturopath. And the big thing she was saying is, well, it's really not a science-based approach. And there's a lot of quackery and woo, which we all knew. But the thing is, nobody's denying that a lot of people go into it because they're disillusioned with the 20-minute, 15-minute crappy visit, the idea that we just medicate everything, that we're knee-jerk in allopathic medicine to a large degree. So it's, it's in, a, in a way, you know, this is a... This is a problem that needs to be addressed at its root uh, in, a, in a holistic way, which is we need to get back to this relationship and this, the, the touch and the, and the intuition of 1.0 with the tools and technology of 2.0, which then segues nicely into what we think 3.0 is, which is 
this new emergent where it's repersonalized medicine that takes everybody on the team into account and treats them like they're the most important person on the team, taking care of the patients. We're connected, we're non-hierarchical, we're collaborative, and it's in service of the patient, but also in service of supporting each other. And we're paid to actually do stuff that works and improves outcomes, even if that means sitting with a patient and holding their hand or talking to them or being the only company they've had if they're an elder and they're coming to the clinic just to talk to somebody. You know, sometimes, and, and it doesn't have to be a doesn't have to be a doc. It doesn't have to be a chiropractor. It could be a health coach. It could be somebody else in the choose your own adventure pantheon. So that's well, what we're. It, hoping. It, it really fits in a line with some of the more modern research with pain science. And from from my point of view, for us, it's always pain. You know, yeah. it's not it's not necessarily disease processes or organic disease. It's always pain. Um, and and when when you understand the 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 newer research involving pain science and the biopsychosocial aspects of pain and uh, how that works into a patient's life medicine if you want to call it medicine 3.0 makes complete sense i mean 1.0 yeah. is sort of 1.0 is that is uh magnetic healing right like, they right. always they always accuse that first chiropractor dd palmer skeptics do it all the time well dd palmer was a magnetic healer and then they make the assumptions that that meant he rubbed magnets on people right but magnetic healing was this idea that the physician had more had some sort of innate magical stuff, like the stuff that other people didn't have that enabled them to heal other people. And just by being in the presence and the leadership of that 1.0 doctor, you are going to get better based on their authority and their leadership and, and whatever me, shit they sort of mixed into the pot, you know? Let, let me ask you a question. Though. Do you think that's true? Do you think there's something there? I think there are some people that are naturally very gifted at healing other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's But something. it comes more into play in that 3.0 now because you yep. also need to have the outcome measures and the ways to measure that and put the proof in the pudding. Yeah. My friend, yeah. Um, I'll call him my friend. I don't, I've never actually met him, but uh, one of my colleagues, Brandon Steele, he, he made this computer program. He calls it Cairo Up. And in mm -hmm. Cairo Up, they have all these outcome measures and they have condition-specific reports that you can print out and give to patients and all that. But there's also a tracking mechanism in there. So every time you see a patient with, say, like a lumbar strain or a disc injury or a neck injury, you put that patient into his profile mechanism. You track the, the outcomes of the patient, including all the outcome measure tools that you would use. And then that stuff's kept through posterity. And then you can go back retrospectively and say, okay, so with my back pain people, how good at I was, was I getting results? Mm. Or my neck pain people, how good was I at getting a result? And you can start to see which conditions you're actually really good at treating, which ones you're not. And you can uh. compare that to your colleagues and say, well, Steve across the street, because there's a chiropractor on every corner, Steve across the street is better at necks than I am at backs. Maybe I should send the neck guy over. Maybe he's got some magnetic healing capability for the neck. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's got so some charisma so there. But yeah. we're, we're getting, like, everything is sort of chugging that way, but everyone is speaking their own language, and we're still not speaking the same language or going in the same direction. You know, this is an interesting question, because how do you measure outcomes for something subjective like pain? You ask the motherfucking patient. Right. You go, you know, what's the, how is it doing? And, you know, pain scales are notoriously weird and all that, but you, you, you will find a therapeutic effect from spending time with the patient that then will lower their pain score. This has been established. And it's, I think it's more than a placebo effect. It, it's a, it's like a, um, pain, pain is so, it's so mind 
mind-based. It's 100% mind-based, right? There's it is, physical absolutely. Causes. But yeah, you and I agree. It's a mind process. And you know, you know how I know this? Motherfuckers like, so people in the skeptical community know it's a physical thing and you know, there's substance P and there's pain receptors and there's this and that. Okay, motherfucker, this is what you do. You learn to actually do proper you know, mindfulness insight Vipassana meditation and watch pain arise when you're sitting there in that shitty cross-leg position because I've done this. That one I'm hurts. A re- oh, it hurts like fuck. And, and someone like me with knee and some back trouble, I'll sit there and I'll do that. And, and the pain arises. Now, as you get good at this, you can see it arise. You can pay attention to it. Watch what its nature is, which is this ephemeral sensation. And then you don't attach emotional valence to it and suffering to it through practice. And it disappears. It just dissolves like everything in our experience. Pain is entirely a mind-based process. And you can influence it by manipulating the body and doing things like that. I have no doubt about that. So the question is, when you're talking about being an enemy of suffering, which is what chiropractors ought to be doing, what doctors ought to be doing, we ought to look at what is the nature of suffering. And if we understand that it's a mind-based process and it's in our control, then we can help to modulate it without being so dogmatic of, no, it's got to be a pill or it's got to be a surgery or it's got to be whatever. Hey, uh, Z-Dog, have you ever caught on to uh, Lorimer Mosley? No. So uh, Lorimer Mosley is a, he was a physical therapist. He got a PhD in neuroscience and he is a, by the way, I believe it's pronounced uh, the rapist. (laughs) (laughs) I just watched that. I think he uses, I think he uses that as a joke a a couple times. Um, (laughs) He started the Noi group. It's an Australian group of pain researchers. Uh, He wrote a book called explain pain with his uh, colleague uh, Butler. I forget Butler's first name, Butler and Mosley explain pain. Lorimer Mosley, you have to check him out. His, he is a gifted speaker uh, just like you. He can explain pain to, to uh, he can explain pain to a tree and the tree will understand its pain. Wow. You got to check him out. Like he, he, this, this biopsychosocial aspect of pain and how pain is completely brain modulated and not truly a physical thing. He's got it nailed down. He's a huge, huge, huge influential factor in this new version of chiropractic and physical therapy. See, I see to me, and and I know that now, you know, there's going to be skeptics who listen to this who are like, you're a sellout Z dog and fuck you and this and that. And I'm like, fuck you back, (laughs) whatever. But you know, to me, that is people look, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? You know this because you are an experienced practitioner and you actually care about actual empirical truth and, and scientific evidence and that sort of thing. But you can empirically explore pain even in yourself through introspection, meditation, and the subjective experience. Why wouldn't you do that when pain is a subjective experience? Now, forget about flu and forget about yeah. vaccinations. That's, that's a different thing. Yep. This is a subjective experience. So why wouldn't you look at those things? So I'm going to check him out because that sounds really fascinating to me. And I'll tell you, I have a lot of fans who have chronic pain, who are on a shit ton of opioids, who've been through everything and they're just suffering and suffering. And some of them probably have opioid hyperalgesia and other things. And read between the lines, they're dependent on these drugs, if not addicted uh, in terms of their behavior. And this is a tragedy. This is creating suffering. So why can't we understand pain better using all the modalities? And that includes... Uh, chiropractic. Now, I want to ask you a question real quick, though, because I know that my fans that are docs will not let me off the hook if I don't ask this, and I, I sure. want to hear your perspective. The the cervical manipulation. So, yeah, buddy, wife, I knew you were going there. Yeah, you know it. Like, my uh, wife, he's going to the neck. He's going to the neck. All roads lead to the neck, son. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, my wife, uh, a radiologist, she sees vertebral artery dissections. I've seen it. Um, 
explain, explain what's up with that and why we should, how we should think about that. Here's the thought process behind vertebral artery dissection. Um, pretty well explained in uh, the journal Spine 2008. I might get the names wrong. I think it was Cassidy. Cassidy, in his work, he studied uh, VBA, uh, vertebral basilar artery strokes, in a population of people in Canada, Ontario. And I think it was a 10-year study. Um, they, the, during that 10-year time, there was around 800 strokes that were hospitalized at that time. But it was 100 million person years that they discovered 800 strokes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So very, very rare incidents. Right. And in those people, the, the people that were more likely to have a stroke were uh, aged under 45. There was no statistical significance between um, age, gender, uh, things like that, all the uh, fancy, fancy words. Here's what they found. Mm. They found that there was no difference between the, the rate of people who presented to the hospital after seeing an MD or a chiropractor for a vertebral basal artery stroke. Mm. So the conclusions that uh, Cassidy and other people have had along the way were that the increased risk of, there was no increased risk of stroke associated with chiropractic it's likely due to the fact that the patients are suffering from a VBA, probably from some sort of trauma, and they're, ha and they're in the active process of having a dissection, and then they present to either the MD or the chiropractor. And then mm. the MD would most likely not touch their neck. <laughs> you're not, right. We don't do that. Yeah, right. And the yeah. chiropractor mostly would. So then there's a temporal association, but there's not a causal association. Mm. So, so, you know, oh, yeah, go ahead. So what we tend to think is that people are showing up to the offices having a stroke. Mm. And in my personal opinion, what's happening is I think probably chiropractors need to be better at diagnosing the, the stroke in situ and mm. being able to, to identify when someone might be having one and learn how to make better diagnostic decisions that an MD probably would be able to make. Interesting. Yeah. And so that gets into the question of correlation and causality again, like in most studies and the fact that there were a small number of strokes of that nature, a VBA stroke in the, in the uh, population studied means it's hard to study. So I'm sympathetic to that. Again, I don't know the answer. I know that anecdotally, again, we see the correlation and we remember it as allopaths because we have a bias against um, uh, chiropractors just from our training, right? It, it's right. part of a bias. So, so I get, you know, what's interesting is you brought up the idea of being able to diagnose those uh, signs of stroke. And you I can't, agree. they're hard, very hard. Their vertebra basal or artery strokes are difficult, even for ER docs to diagnose and neurologists to diagnose sometimes. Um, there was an Instagram model, I think that became a kind of a famous case recently where she had, Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. T tell me about that. What are your thoughts? And so, so just and so, fill in my audience too, cause they don't know. So uh, her name was Katie, Katie May. And yeah. she was an Instagram uh, model and she, uh, she got news through TMZ. She passed away and she had a vertebral basal artery stroke mm. and they, uh, they attributed it to her chiropractor um, because that was the person who's taking care of her. But there's a lot of backstory that's missing from that overall. Uh, when you, when you read that on TMZ or some of these other media outlets, one of the things that was missing from that picture when they tell the story is that she was doing a photo shoot on a ladder and she fell off the ladder and hit her neck or her head. Oh, wow. And then she presented to the ER uh, or urgent care. I'm not sure which one. And uh, they released her. They did their examination and they released her. And mm -hmm. she went back a second time and they told her, there's nothing really we can do for you here. And they released her again. 
and she saw the chiropractor a couple times and then she had her accident and passed away. Now here's the thing, you know, we have malpractice insurance just like a medical doctor does. We just don't pay as much as you because we don't do things that are as quote unquote risky as you would. We don't participate in the procedures that enter the body. Um, or, or use pharmacology that, could, that has much more increased risk than some of these manual therapies we do. Um, yeah. Our malpractice insurance tries to keep us up to date. Like, hey, look, you don't want to do this in this situation. You don't want to be messing around with someone's neck in this situation. We know the general rules. Mm-hmm. We know the general rule. Like if someone's been in a trauma, you probably don't want to mess around with their neck for a good mm-hmm. period of time if they have certain histories of a previous history of stroke, you know, the yeah. smokers, um, you know, there's all these different rules for why and when you would or wouldn't uh, want to uh, use a, cer- a, a cervical adjustment is what they would call it. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that stuff's pretty well established. However, as you know, there are people that aren't as, as brushed up on things as you might think. And some people think sure. they're superheroes and, you get someone in your office and you, you just say, I just want to help them. So I'm going to do this thing that might just help them. And, and you lose your mind. Um, those people still exist. But what we yeah. do know is that the vertebral basal artery stroke scenario is supremely, supremely rare incidents of happening. We're right, talking right. like getting hit by lightning twice in your life. Rare. Right. right. You know, and, and of course the confirmation bias on the skeptic side will, will, sort of pull those right they'll they'll pull the well, they'll see them and they'll jump yeah um this yeah. guy tj jarrett i think jarrett wrote a, another research paper and he he documented all the cases that had been documented up to his point which i think his study was in 92 of all mm-hmm. the vertebral basal or artery incidents that were documented and and yes yeah. skeptics out there i can totally agree that there are probably plenty that are undocumented like there's not a good adverse reaction tracking system yeah. for cervical, yeah. you know whatever Mm-hmm. But most of them were from Kung Fu instructors. Oh, interesting. Uh, uh, physical therapists, hairdressers. They used to call this the hairdresser stroke. Huh. Um, and uh, medical doctors that were attempting to manipulate the spine and, and things like that. And very few of them were actually from chiropractors themselves, even though chiropractors do the majority of neck manipulation. Right, 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 right. So, I, yeah. I mean, well, from I'm- my point of view, I can always defend it, but it's indefensible. They're at no time in any point in, in anyone's life as the provider or as the patient or a family member or anyone associated with healthcare would you ever want this to happen to somebody. Yeah. So I don't think yeah. anyone, at least in my group of people that I run with, the evidence-based docs, we don't take this stuff lightly. Yeah, you know, what I like about this conversation is this is probably the most rational conversation that I've had with uh, a chiropractor. A rational chiropractor. Fucking a rational A, man. Kind of fucking A. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why, because when I do my talks live, sometimes there'll be chiropractors in the audience and they are, they are the ones that are resonating with the parts of my talk that are about Health 3.0 and, and teamwork and that sort of thing. But they're, they're on the fringe of the practice. So they're the ones manipulating infants. They're you know, anti-vaccine. They're doing all this other stuff. And so then they, then I have a crazy conversation with them where I want to stab myself in the eye. Now, just to be fair, I've had the same conversation with doctors that are insane, <laughs> with medical doctors that are insane. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's nice to, to get in, in the head of a, a, a good rational chiropractor who speaks intelligently about the evidence because um, again, I, I've been enriched in the opposite because of the nature of what I do. They're um, very loud. And those people are very, yeah. they're very vocal. Yeah. 
and um, yeah. and they 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 believe very passionately in what they believe in, and they're not gonna. You can't change their mind at any any point in time. Um, so so what 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 do we do, Bobby, to like encourage the next crop of young chiropractors who think like you do, who want to help people suffering, get better, and, and want to work with their medical colleagues? I and mean, how do we encourage them apart from encouraging them? Well, you know, that is, I, I, that's kind of like my role in this thing, I think. I mean, I, I created this group, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. It's mostly young chiropractors. Mm. Um, you had mentioned in one of your interviews, the, the most recent one that had to do with credentialing of, of professionals. Oh, yeah. With mm -hmm. the, I, I don't remember the doctor you interviewed. Paul really, yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. But you guys mentioned the medical industrial complex. Mm-hmm. And I've coined my own phrase quite a while back called the uh, subluxation industrial complex because the, <laughs> the, 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 these chiropractors that believe in this sort of subluxation model of care, you know, that a, a little bone misalignment leads to all bad health in the world. And blah. Right, right, um, right. Those guys, it, it's, a, it's a marketing syndicate because if one guy believes it and he's trying to sell it, but the rest of the world doesn't believe him, then he's just one crazy guy that's full of shit. Right, but if his friend props him up and says, "Well, I believe it too," and then, and then another guy comes along and starts giving free courses and, and handing out pizza at school to starving chiropractic students, and starts <laughs> giving them attention and starts talking subluxation, they start believing subluxation too. And if a fourth guy comes along and says, "None of you students are ever going to be successful in this profession unless you start adopting this subluxation theory of helping people," they build up this complex and they build up companies and they build up. Uh, social proof around the idea and then it keeps going we have to crush all of that shit like we have to wow. we have to create on our side in this forward-thinking alliance we have to create our own social proof we have to create our own brands we have to create our own professionals that are ethic ethically minded and evidence-based and say that 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 part of the profession that is still it's still in medicine 1.0 before medicine 1.0 was even invented dd palmer in the 1890s was doing this magnetic healing stuff. You got to sort of acknowledge, yes, people have unique healing powers, but that doesn't make you a magical fucking mystical wizard. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there are, there are rules to play. We've gotten smarter. We've, we've, we've learned so much in these last, okay, a hundred years. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's, there's better ways to do things now. And you got to let that old stuff go, but the old stuff is very easy to sell still. It, it's a cultural thing in America. People still believe this stuff. It's not just the science because as you know, being scientifically minded, that doesn't mean everyone is on board with science. No, no. And uh, to, what a 25% of uh, Americans believe in evolution, whereas 60 or 70% believe in a literal representation of Satan. So there is a, um, there's a thinking deficit uh, in terms of, uh, of that sort of thing. But, you know, it's interesting, the subluxation industrial complex and this idea that they would buy pizza for chiropractic students. So we had Pfizer buying us pizza when I was at Stanford. You don't think that, <laughs> you don't think that's an equivalent oh, No, when I was in the military, I worked in a hospital. I, were, I was a public health technician. The irony of a chiropractor working in an immunization clinic, um, <laughs> you know, before I was a chiropractor, of course. Right, right. Before that's they brought me over the dark side. That's why you're so sharp, man. <laughs> and um, I remember the drug reps. I remember bringing bagels and food, and they'd bring the girls in the short skirts and hand out pens. And yep, yeah. I still have a couple of Viagra pens from those days, man. <laughs> still working. No, but I mean that 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 truly does. And in those days, in particular, I was conditioned to think five of Norvask is the way you treat hypertension, not hey, 
you know, maybe the smoking, the diabetes, the diet, the stress, the shitty lifestyle, maybe that could actually at least put a dent in that because no, that never works. Just give them the five of Norvask because that drug rep um, showed me some data that was cherry picked that, you yeah. know, so this kind of thing is not exclusive to chiropractors. And, and no, I, no, no. I'm, no, we're, as yeah, human no, beings, I, we're all driven to, we're all driven to sort of help and to find answers. It, yep. And you can either be the person who's empowered to find your own answers and be investigative and skept and properly skeptical, not pseudo skeptical. Right. And you can try to find that path. And that's what I find with my evidence-based chiropractors. They want to know the best answers. Yeah. The subluxation chiropractors, they will take the answer that's been given to them and they will fill that void. So you can either come up with your own philosophy that's solid or someone's going to give you a philosophy and you're going to use it. Right. Right. Um, hey, and that honestly, happens. I think across the board across the board i mean i think and i think our role in the sort of health 3.0 allopathic community is to say no we're going to support uh the former type of person that you talked about and uh, you know i made a bit of a brand out of ridiculing the latter and that includes doctors who have who spout nonsense uh you know, there and, and you know, this is becoming a little more prevalent in the sort of functional medicine community. There are some great functional medicine docs and there are some funky med. Funky, funky med. funky med. Funk med. That's gonna be the bumper sticker. Dr. Yeah. Maybe's funk med project. Exactly. There's good ones. There's good ones. And then yep. there's some that get downright funky. That are just about chelating shit. You're like, I don't toxins, think that word toxins, yeah. bro. To toxins, bro. I don't think that word means what you think it means, bro. <laughs> 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 the toxin. Anytime I hear toxin, my hackles get up, and and I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to run for the hills because it just means someone doesn't understand the nature of physiology. Like right. shit, our body's pretty good at the whole detoxification. The, I mean that that whole like I have one flank that's practically all liver. Yeah, that's just that that was just to get me through college, you know, and it it did a pretty good job. Did a great job. It's still, it's still every now and again is called on in reserve to do some shit like post Super Bowl, a little, cleanup, <laughs> little cleanup. Uh, yeah, no, I mean that's it. You know, and so, so tell me a little bit about. Well, you know what? No, no, no. I'm not going to turn this into my podcast for my audience. Because Look at I'm you. My, yep. See, I know I'm hijacking it. I'm like, so tell me more about. No, no, no. I think because because I want to share this with my Z Pack. I'm excited because a lot of people. See, here's the thing. I talk a lot of shit. And then I get these really heartfelt messages on the private message on Facebook saying, look, I'm a chiropractor. I'm on your side. Yeah. Like, why, why are you fucking with me? Like, I <laughs> well, here's saying. the thing about chiropractors. They, they are, there's like an inferiority complex with chiropractors and, and the, the subluxation chiropractors will totally say that it's just the, the evidence-based ones that have the inferiority complex. Mm. But the, the evidence-based chiropractors always just wanted to be medical doctors, but they have one too. They are, they're always pining and hoping and wishing that an, an MD will approve of what they're saying. Mm. And that's why they go and they find the Wakefields. And that's why they go and find uh, 10 pennies. Cheryl, 10 pennies, yeah. You know, because they will approve of what they're saying. And then it's sort of that echo chamber. It's, so, it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So it's just, it's always an inferiority complex. We love it. Z-Dog, we love it when MDs approve of us, um, which is sad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what? I don't actually, this isn't, this is really, but you guys have the social proof you've owned, you, you created the market in the early 1900s and you gained the social proof. You won the battle. You won the battle over chiropractors. You won it over DOs. You, so, you, won, you won it over your own MDs that were being produced uh, ad nauseum in the Midwest, you know, off of a back porch. 
I, I think I think this is actually a topic that is fascinating to me because the I I am fascinated by the medical hierarchy. So this idea that allopathic MDs are the gold standard, and then you have everybody else underneath, including nurses, nurse practitioners, PAs, all of that. And the idea that you go through all this training and you do all of that and the inferiority complex. Now, within allopathic medicine, there is a series of hierarchies and inferiority complexes. Oh, and yeah. as, a, as a hospitalist, I am super weirdly stoked when I get the approval of a super specialist who thinks I've done good work because I feel like, well, they went to a little more school and they have to do these procedures. And so it's, it's a, it's, it's a human hierarchical nature because we're tribal creatures and we want the approval of the next level up in the hierarchy. So, but what's interesting to me is the more I do this, the more I realize that now we're all kind of practicing at the top of what it is we do. We contribute to this holarchy, which is not a hierarchy. It's that each of us is, is true, but partial. And right. some, have a little more truth in one line of, of intelligence and a little less in another. And so we all have our parts. And so now, like if, if someone like you emails me and is like, look, I want to have you on my evidence-based chiropractor, forward-thinking chiropractic alliance podcast, I get a rush of dopamine because I'm like, wow, we're actually aligned. And if this person thinks that we're doing the right thing, then we're on the right track. So I think those things are going to hopefully flatten out. But you're right about the subluxation crowd. They do love, they do love because I think unconsciously it's kind of like, are we really doing something that's, that's proven to work here? Like if you, and, and it's the same, it's the same in osteopathic physicians and MDs. And then you dig into it and you go, no, actually we're all doing really great work for patients, not the subluxation guys because they're crazy, but you oh know, yeah, they're weirdos. Yeah. Weirdos. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. I like weird people, Bobby. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> they're not very like nice people. Don't, and yeah. if any subluxation or straight, whatever you call yourself as a chiropractor, if you're listening to this, um, yeah, I don't like you, but still, I know you're, I know you're nice people and I know that the intentions are well, you know, like it's all based around, for most of them, it's based around well intentions. It's not, it's not malicious, it's not maliciously fraudulent. And when skeptics sort of do that thing where they're like, that guy's a crook and he's just trying to rob people. I don't think any of these uh, quacks are trying to purposely rob anybody. I think they actually believe in what they're saying and what they're doing. Yeah. Now they'll never admit that they're, they're actually wrong and they'll never actually investigate information to the contrary right. uh, because that would shake their whole foundation of certainty. And a lot of this comes from certainty. As an MD, you're granted certainty by your education. And, and they even teach it in your, in your residencies, right? Like you don't, you're not allowed to say, I don't know, when someone asks you a question about a medical issue. They'll beat the crap out of you if you say, I don't know. You have to know the answer. That's your certainty. They gave you that you are certain that you absolutely know the answer to these medical questions. Am I right on that? It's complicated. <laughs> so you're right, you're right that that is the sort of old school conditioning, but I think that's starting to change and embracing uncertainty, embracing what we don't know, but I think it's new. That's a 3.0. That's a 3.0. Another step towards 3.0 is ridicule. I think ridicule is very powerful. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't answer anything, but it starts to propose the question of like, Hey, I'm questioning this. I'm questioning it with humor, but I yeah. question what's going on here. And the only way to crack some of these skulls is to kind of poke fun at them because you're not going to reach them with reason. Bobby, maybe you and I are cut from the same cloth. You're like bizarro, bizarro me or I'm bizarro you. Well, where are that, you from in California? Where were you from? Where'd you grow up in California? Well, so I grew up in the Central Valley, Clovis, California. Yeah, I grew up in San Luis Obispo. 
Oh, so you're just basically the same latitude. You, just off Yeah, you would come to my, my hometown for vacation. Well, you come out to oh, the beach, yeah. I, I would. I would come out there, Pismo, San Luis Obispo, and we go, God, these people have the life, man. Look at these guys. Yeah. I bet they're all grow up to be evidence-based chiropractors. There are so many chiropractors in that town. <laughs> yeah, there are. There are. Actually, we had some good physician friends out there, too. And, you know, I mean, but, the, but the truth is, like, uh, ridicule, I actually think shame is something we need to bring back a little bit of like, you know what, you can say anything on the internet, but you're going to feel some shame if you say yeah. something. Accountability, accountability, accountability for what you're saying. Yeah. And that's the problem with chiro. So chiropractic's always been pretty well regulated as far as like a quack will push the limits mm -hmm. in, in advertising, like say in print, and then there'll be regulations to control what a chiropractor can say in print. And then right. they'll, they'll push the limits in radio and then there'll be a regulation for what they can say on radio and TV and so on and so forth. Where there are no regulations at this point from the regulating bodies is on the internet, where a, a, a quacky person, chiropractic or not, can obfuscate their business position of quackery with their, per, their personal opinion on their social media page. Right. So that, that fella that you mentioned earlier. Burke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Straight up uh, quack city USA. Yeah. Um, he obfuscates that by saying, this is my personal opinion and I have my first amendment rights to say whatever yeah. I feel, but he's doing that from his office, from his desk. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So he, yeah, he's, he's there with a diploma behind him. Right. Exactly. You know, exactly. So it's kind of like someone, please, if there's a, if there's a state board regulating body person listening, I love you guys, but you guys got to get off your fucking ass, especially in California In California, yeah. they are completely hands off and the quacks are starting to, to the Fox, the quack foxes are starting to run the hen house. If you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I feel you, man. Uh, it's absolutely. So maybe true. some ridicule, then some I accountability think... and then some action. And I, the I action think... also has to take place in education and who you allow to be educated in these programs. I think that's awesome. I think that's spot on. And you know, my, my role I see is our little Z pack is the goal is to point out stupidity, but then also give an option and say, you know, we understand why people would turn to this. Like we're pretty shitty at, at, you know, again, like I think you pointed out some really good things and these are criticisms of allopathic medicine in general, which is this idea that we are socially anointed to be the certain ones and uh, treated as gods walking on earth and this and that. But the longer you do medicine and the more 3.0 you start to become, you know exactly. And this is the key thing, knowing what you don't know. As yeah. soon as you understand that, when you get that gist, then you make enlightened decisions. And sometimes that means doing nothing. In fact, more often than not, it means doing less uh, which actually accomplishes more and then working with partners who actually can help with things like pain that are so personal and subjective and so potentially damaging if you get it wrong because then you go down the you know i like to use the yoda voice when i talk about narcotics it's always like run first down the path to oxycontin <laughs> travel forever will you be constipated you know it, 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 it's a it is. It's, a, it's like a dark side. You know, you will be sucked into the vortex. Some, something will happen to you, yes. yes you, will be, you will be forever changed to some degree. A hundred percent, you're going to lose a hand at some point. A hundred percent. Your wee-wee's going to fall off. Your wee, um, yeah, exactly. But you know what, Z-Dog? This stuff's already in writing. Like, there are treatment protocols. Let's take our back pain again, because really that's my whole world. I yeah. live and breathe that stuff. Um, there are, there are guidelines and protocols in place that say, if someone shows up to your office as an allopathic MD, the best first line of care for, um, non, non neurogenic, non trauma based, whatever you want to call it, low back pain, 
would be a chiropractor. It's there. It's in writing. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. No one does it. Yeah. Well, so, so, so here's, well, here's the problem. You don't know who to send them to. So I was going to ask you, how do you find, because I'll tell you. I have you, no like, fucking idea, man. I have no idea. I've tried okay. to, I'm trying to change that. So the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance has a website. That website okay. has a map. The people on that map have been vetted by us, by me, to be evidence-based chiropractors. I'm trying to get people on the map. Like, seriously, guys, it's 50 bucks to get on the map, and still people are like, oh, the map. Um, you know, <laughs> going through certification programs, there is a new certification program called the Primary Spine uh, Practitioner Model. It's not just for chiros. It's for PTs and other physicians mm -hmm. um, to, to identify and distinguish people as primary spine care physicians who use an evidence-based approach. These things are coming, and we know there's a demand for them. It's just who's going to step up and do it. And it's looking kind of like me <laughs> reluctantly. Well, that's your, then that's got your five home. kids, homie. I, I want to be hey, at home. You know, are you Mormon? what's going on no, with five no. kids? I'm, I, I like my wife. Now I got some stepkids too, <laughs> and I love them to death, but, uh, oh, so it's a Brady bunch scenario. Yeah. We got a Brady bunch scenario for yeah, sure. That's good stuff. No wonder you're just dealing with back pain all day. Your back hurts. I got back pain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, <laughs> so what I, th I, I think it's great that you have taken on this mantle because then you can share it with people like me and I can share it with people and go, look, you want to partner with somebody who is the, you know, one of the first line treatments for this particular type of musculoskeletal back pain. You, you, this is where you can go. And again, I want to make sure you're not just paying the play and putting people on the map for money and that kind of right. thing. And if that's the case and it's clear that right. this is a great resource, a tremendous resource. In, um, and, and teaching these guys along the way. So there, obviously there's got to be a, a way to, to vet them through ethics and vet them through some sort of concepts that make them better communicators, like with documentation and chart notes and communicating with the MDs as far as like case notes, um, because the communication, the lines of communication between the allopaths and these alternative care providers is very poor. Like a lot of times the allopaths, the patient will tell you guys, oh, I'm seeing my chiropractor and, and the MD, a lot of times what I hear will just be like, well, I don't see how that'll do you any, any, any wrong. I don't know if it'll do you any good, but I don't want to do it any wrong. And then they don't ask any other questions about it. They're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what if I wrote something and they're like, you know, guy fell and hit his head. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe you want to check something. Um, yeah. And that, that happened to me, by the way. So if we want to go back to that stroke story, I have one, I have one more story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, from my point of view. Uh, about two years ago, I had a patient. He, he was a regular guy that would come, you know, he would work and he would kind of throw his back out or he would do some yard work and throw his back out. So every once in a while I would see him and he comes in and he's, he's, uh, it was winter time and he comes in and he says, you know, it's sort of my usual stuff, but a little bit different. I, an old lady was stuck in the snow and I was trying to push her car out of the snow and help her out. And I slipped and I hit my head on her bumper. So I've got all my usual stuff, but my head hurts a little bit. My neck hurts a little bit. So I figured you'd just sort of adjust my neck and I get going, you know, hmm. and, and, um, I go, well, this is different. And I check his blood pressure and it's, it's high, but not astronomically high. And he's, he's like, well, I have a history of high blood pressure. Go, okay. Who doesn't, but this is higher than normal. And your medication is supposed to be controlling this stuff. And I go, so you know what? Um, Mr. Jones, I'm, I'm not going to do any adjustments to your cervical spine today. Let's take care of everything else. Um, I want you to go to your medical doctor, but if you can't get into them soon enough, uh, it just so happened that his daughter was in nursing school and she lived at home with him. I want your daughter to check your blood pressure. Yeah, like, how would you know that unless you actually talk to the patient, right? Yeah. 
to, you know, have her practice on you, check your blood pressure. I wrote a number down on the sticky note and said, if it ever gets past this number, you must go to the ER right away. Mm. Don't see him for a couple of weeks. <laughs> mm. He comes in the office. And he's like, I don't have an appointment or anything. I just want to tell you, thank you. Um, I did what you said, which is a miracle in itself. Uh, I had yeah. my daughter checking my blood pressure and it was really, really high. I think he got into the 190s, 190 over 110, somewhere around there. Mm. And uh, I went in and they found out that I had tore my carotid artery. Holy a little different shit. than the vertebral artery, but the carotid artery. And, um, you know, when, when I went in there, they asked me right away if I had an adjustment by anybody and, or if I saw the chiropractor is what they asked. Yeah, and I said, yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. my chiropractor and they were all doing their victory dance that they found yeah, the chiropractor. Right. That <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. He, he refused to touch me. He told me I had to come in here if anything was different. So they were, wow. they were dismayed. And uh, he goes, so in a roundabout way, I guess you kind of sort of saved my life. Holy crap, dude. And, and I go, well, no, I didn't save your life. I mean, actually, if you want to break it down, your daughter did because she checked your blood pressure. You listened to her and you actually mm -hmm. took action. You saved your own life. I just educated you and made you aware. But those are the things like if you're listening to the patient, if you're doing your due diligence, if you take proper history and, and all these other things that, that are, that's run of the mill. That's basic work. That's like all in a day's work right there. But putting those pieces together and being a, a listener, um, you know, what's the difference? Maybe I, I would have adjusted him. He didn't die. Maybe he, he'd have a stroke, maybe, the, but it didn't happen. And that's, I can go to my grave saying, at least I did that right for that one person. Man, that is 3.0 as fuck right there. That's exactly. That's what, that's what the fuck I'm talking about, man. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. No stroke. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's, see, that, and, and again, like, this is what, a team-based, enlightened, scientific-based approach to all aspects of care looks like. And every single allopath has a story of a chiropractor who's, catch, who's caught something, right? They just don't, they don't, their confirmation bias means they're not going to remember that story or talk right. about it. Talk about the vertebral artery dissection that they are attributing to the chiropractor and, and that sort of thing. So this idea that we can, we can empower great care across the continuum, no matter what your choose your own adventure is in, in helping people is, is a powerful one. And it is at the center of the sort of uh, idea of building health 3.0. And then how do we get paid to do it? That's the trick. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well, we have to talk and we have to, I think if you took all the chiropractors, the evidence, evidence-based ones, cause the quacks will never come along with the ride. You guys are the enemies. Um, yeah. If you took all the evidence-based chiropractors, these wonderful doctors of physical therapy that are coming up, if you took the osteopaths, if you took some, I don't know if there are there evidence-based naturopaths. I mean, there's good ones. There are good naturopaths that I think care deeply and they work with their allopathic colleagues. Uh, but it's just tricky because the, the training is so different. You know? if, you, if you swelled all those numbers up together and all those people were speaking the same language, uh, then I think you could build momentum and, and maybe that's what the Z packs doing. You know, that's an army of people that can speak uh, the same language across multiple disciplines. I think that's, that's the key thing. That's why I was so stoked to be invited uh, onto this because it's a, it's a, it's a group of folks that we've ignored at our peril that could be a powerful ally in building uh, this 3.0 thing. And we need all of us to do it. We have to work together and we have to support each other and then also shame the quacks on all sides of this game. Including Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. And we won't hesitate to shame pharma. We won't hesitate. Like, there's, there's no target that we won't fuck with uh, and probably get ourselves killed, which is... <laughs> <laughs> I've been threatened quite a few times already just in my chiropractic circles, for sure. Oh, I 
that. Sure. And I get, I get threatened all the time, but that's just part of the thing. So, you know, but if they fuck with my family, they're going to find out that Logan carries a weapon all the time. And he will find you. He <laughs> I got a feeling Tom, I got a feeling Tom's armed. Tom, Tom, uh, Tom doesn't pack. He doesn't conceal carry. He has a gun, but he doesn't, you know, and I'm a, I'm a fucking, you know, pacifist. I won't do any of that shit, but, right, the, right. but, but Logan uh, grew up with military parents uh, learning to fire weapons since he was like five years old. And he's like uh, very much into gun safety and all this, if that's not an oxymoron. And he, um, so he's always carrying a weapon and I always forget that. And sometimes I worry because, you know, the anti-vaxxers and these other clowns want to come to the studio and try to kill us. And I just realized that's going to end badly for them. <laughs> we have a highly trained individual who's always got a weapon. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting. We, um, um, so we, we have, uh, this year we've already got our first annual convention. Uh, the the oh, Forward Thinking Chiropractic Convention is going to be in Kansas City, June 1st through 3rd. Uh, there are the groups, the, the size of that, facility is not big enough to house the power that is you mm. the power of z dog but i'm thinking year two, power. like year two we go bigger um get a room full of like 500 to 700 people and have you come on be the keynote i would and, be and rock uh, that house i would be honored i think that'd be a lot of fun and i'll bring i'll bring a hundred percent of my back and neck pain because <laughs> if, if you don't think i'm getting like seven different you know got another thing coming oh you you wait till you see that consent form <laughs> exactly well my goal is to become incontinent of both bowel and bladder by the end of it you know <laughs> <laughs> no I, i'm I, I think it'd be fantastic i'm glad you have you're leading this movement i think you're the right person to do it i'm i'm really just stoked to be in your presence man it's fantastic in some way, somehow, some shape or form, I, I need you to collaborate. I need you. I, these guys need to understand what it's like to be a physician. I have so many people in my group that are, they, you know, this goes back to your 2013 TED Med um, uh, mm -hmm. talk that you had that was on YouTube that really endeared a lot of people to your message. You know, they understand the, the aspects of being burnt out or they, under, they understand the aspects of not getting exactly what you thought you were going to get when you signed up for the deal. Yeah. Yeah. And um, a lot of them on my, in my group, they say things like, well, I'm thinking of giving up the chiropractic thing. I really should have been an MD. I should have been a DO. It's a lot of like grass is greener on the other side sort of things. Always. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and me, I'm a hard ass. I always tell them like, if you wanted to do that, that's what you should have done. And if you could have done it, you should have done it, but you didn't, you're here now. Yeah. Suck it up, yeah. buttercup. But, um, <laughs> But I also care about them. I want them to be happy because if they're happy, they're, I think they're providing better care for other people. But um, it, would be, it would be great for, for me to turn them on to you so they can understand the perspectives of what it's like to not just be a physician, but to try to be a physician in today's world and change it for the better. And then they okay. might realize that we're all, in, we're all on the same mission. And That's the, the mission is, is patient-centered, um, ethical approaches to making the world a better place. 100% right. That's 100% right. And I think, you know, you, a couple things you said there, like you should, you, if you, th people say, I could, I should have chosen this, I should have done that. Hey, asshole, first of all, free will is a motherfucking illusion. And if right. you were exactly in that same position, you're going to make the exact same decision. So what's up with the what ifs? You own your path. You can always change it. But the truth is you have to make it better. When I was burned out at year eight, hospitalist at Stanford, deep in the matrix, like, it was the scariest thing I ever did, but I just completely unplugged, moved to Vegas, 
tried to start this clinic, ran it for three years, failed economically because of the location and some other things and, and learned from that failure. And, and that, fail, that, that clinic was what we were talking about in that 2013 TedMed. And we actually put those principles in action and it worked. Like patients were satisfied, our caregivers were satisfied. We, we had a, uh, by the way, we had an osteopathic manipulation room in our clinic because one of our docs was an osteopath uh, and the other was an MD who actually learned uh, some manipulation. And um, they would do some simple stuff and just the laying of hands. And we would partner with, uh, with local chiropractors that weren't insane because in Vegas, it's like ambulance chasing lunatics that run around and they're like, hey, I can cure anything. It's like Dr. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> yeah, there's a guy out there named Dr. Josh Satterley. He's just like that. Oh, I think I know that guy, man. <laughs> I'm just I kidding. He's a good friend. No, no, no. He's, oh, he's straightforward. Good. Yeah, he's, he's legit. Because there, there's an unlegit guy, and I forget his first name, but he's like one of these anti-vax subluxation guys. But uh, <laughs> I wanted to get into a beef with him, but then I thought, you know, he actually lives in my town. We might actually have to fight. And yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not a good I'm, – I'm five foot five. I will get my ass kicked. I don't need it. You know? Um, in a couple of weeks, I'll be in Vegas. There's, oh, a, there's a conference, the Parker Seminars, and uh, you got to shoot me your number. We can hang out. Hit me up. Hit me up by email because uh, if we're doing a show or something, come by the studio, hang out. That'd be awesome. I can at least guard that window so no one busts through the window. Oh, hell yeah. Well, and you can get in the way of Logan's bullet when he ends up having to shoot a rabid fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> this will probably go down, hands down, best podcast ever. Oh. Uh, you're just so easy to talk to, um, and you get it. I feel, I feel validated. <laughs> I, I feel human. Well, you know, both of us are going to get shit for having to being on each other's thing. And that's, what's awesome about it. Yeah. I want to see that. I want to see that. If they, anyone wants to uh, come at me, bro, if any oh, skeptics want to come at me. The simple uh, response, which is go fuck yourself. This well, is, no, I mean, I would love to respond with evidence. Like I, I'm pretty well versed on the evidence of my profession. Yeah. And I, what I've learned with the skeptics is you give them the evidence and they don't want to hear it anyways. Oh, no. And it's true. It's true. Both sides of that coin. So what we have to do is we have to help build a bridge and say, you know, ebony and ivory uh, that has nothing to do with allopathic medicine and chiropractors, but it's the same fucking thing. Bro. It's the same mission, taking care of people and trying to do right by people with the best evidence available, best information and best intentions. Intention is also key. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love, I love it. I love you. I love everybody. I'll except catch for, that, on the flip except side. for that, that asshole Bergman. Fuck him. He's a, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? And he's not even the tip of the iceberg. Scary oh enough. God. Yeah. And well, you know, and we'll throw Tenpenny because she's a DO and we'll throw uh, Susan Humphreys in there too. She's a, <laughs> we'll get the whole spectrum of quacks. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Perfect. And remember man. this uh, as a parting shot to everybody. Uh, as far as chiropractic goes, uh, I, I try to do crunch some basic numbers of all the medical doctors in the entire world and all the nurses in the entire world and physical therapists and osteopaths and optometrists and podiatrists and ists and other ists and other ists. Any of these people had to take those basic science classes, physics, organic chemistry, chemistry, anatomy, physiology. There's millions of them. When you break it down, like point, it was something like point, point 0.5 to 2% are the quack chiropractors. Yeah. That's, that's the number that they hold in this marketplace. Now their voice might be louder, but that's how many of them there actually are. And you have to keep that in mind that those people think they're right, 
but that's because they're ignoring 99.7% of the rest of the world. Yeah. So, so stay steadfast and do what matters uh, the most, which is like we said before, patient centered care. Fight the power. Fight except, the power. Fight the except power. we fight the power. Except we are the fight power. The that's the thing, because we are the majority. We're the power. We're the we're the powerless majority. The the voiceless majority that needs to speak up. Yeah, it's time, and uh, it's gonna be a stiff middle finger for me. Uh, Bobby, maybe thank you for having me on the show, man. Z dog, it's it was great. It was better than I hoped it would be. Ah, oh, the pleasure's all mine. It was great talking to you and learning something. And uh, and thanks again, man. I'm looking forward to having you on our show. Yes, absolutely. Anytime. I look forward to collaborating with you. Sweet. Take it easy. Peace. Peace.